How's it going, you guys? How's it going? Let's pray real quick. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. And I pray that you would use this time. Please speak through me as we explore this topic of fear of man. God, empower us, strengthen us uh, to fear you more, God. Uh, help us delight in you and taste you tonight as well. Pray this in your name. Amen. Cool. So we've been doing a topical series on what? Fear of man. Okay, someone tell me what fear of man is. Someone tell me. Give me your best guess, Anakin. Being afraid of rejection. Yeah, Emily. Being like pressured by people to do what they think is right instead of what God's. What Whoa. God right. Emily is like prophesying over us. We're talking about peer pressure tonight, so you nailed that. Yeah, Todd, what is it? You don't know fear of man is, but we're dealing with fear of camp. Fear of camp? I know. In a way, that's fear of man. Okay. I'm dealing with fear. Trust me, I'm dealing with fear of camp. You guys are not dealing with fear of camp. I'm dealing with fear of camp. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Fear of man, fear of rejection, uh, peer pressure. Those are certain ways. Uh, another way that it's expressed is like fear of threat. This person's going to physically hurt me, you know, abuse me. But really what it is, fear of man, if we were to kind of put it in a short sentence, it's having more awe or love of people rather than fear or excuse me, awe or love of God. It's people taking that place in our heart, the throne of our heart, rather than God. That is what fear of man. And it's extremely subtle. It's extremely difficult to deal with. But it also explains so much of the reasons we're doing crazy things and we're struggling with certain things going on and all that stuff. It's really rooted at the fear of man. Okay, so tonight we're talking about the second kind of way that people most often experience fear of man, peer pressure. Last week we talked about shame. People are going to see me, they're going to judge me, they're going to say, you, that's gross, get away from me, that kind of thing. We were talking about that last week. Todd killed it, told you to go home and cry, which was awesome. Go home and cry. I, I did not cry, but I had a really sweet time with the Lord. It was awesome. It was so good. Oh my gosh. But, okay. Tonight, we're talking about peer pressure. And I'm going to be honest, while I was prepping this sermon, I could not get this darn song out of my head. Jared, you got that song? Sing, David, sing. Oh, I'll sing it. You guys know this song? James Bay? Yeah. He's like Ed Sheeran, but less famous, but still super yeah. famous. So you take to oh my gosh. Halfway just us and Okay, we gotta pause that. We gotta shut that down. We gotta shut that down. Dude, dude. It's not Ed Sheeran, I promise. And also, that song is extremely worldly. <laughs> but it's, it's a well-crafted song. I'll give James Bay that, but I do not condone that in a biblical manner. The whole song, and the whole premise of the song is James Bay going, Oh, this girl, she wants sexy time before marriage. 
And, you know, I don't normally give in to peer pressure, but I'll give in to yours, baby. Let's do this thing. That's not good. That's not biblical. I don't condone that, okay? Do not misunderstand. <laughs> it's a good song, though. Okay? No, no, no. But, okay, on a personal note, maybe not relating with James Bay, but relating with peer pressure, this is something looking at my own past. I have deeply, deeply, deeply struggled with. When I was younger, my folks and I, we moved houses probably every year or two years. And as a kid, that was pretty difficult. Because all the friends that I would make, I'd make friends after like two hard years of school. And man, I, I'm really close to this guy. His name's Judah or something. And then all of a sudden I'm moving from Bellevue to Edmonds. And I've never seen this kid again. And just over and over and over. So I, by the time I hit elementary school, I was this very lonely, insecure person. I just had this constant energy of like, hey, please like me. Please like me. Please like me. Please, 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 please. That was just who I was as a person. It was this two-dimensional like, do you like me? Do you not like me? I really want you to like me. I, I felt very alienated. I felt very alone. And I have this specific memory of when I was in elementary school at the cafeteria. I was sitting next to my classmate in this classroom. And I know he was joking. I don't think he really understood what he was doing. We went, dude, what if it, I, okay, I dare you, go stick your head in the toilet right now. <clears throat> do it, do it right now. And I went, okay. And I straight up walked to the bathroom, dipped my head in a toilet, all the hair rustling in there, pulled it out. It was all, <laughs> you know those models? Are all, that was me, but with toilet water. And I took paper towels out and I dried it. And you might, you're like, gross, that's absurd. Why would you do that? Yes, that is absurd. Why did I do that? Why did I, I, okay, here's what was going on in my mind, looking back at what I was doing and what I was thinking. I was thinking, I'm so desperate for acceptance. I'm so desperate for attention that any amount of attention, whether it's good or bad, I want it. I need it. I'm demanding it. If you're going, did you hear about Javen and how he stick his stinking head in his stinky poo-poo toilet? Dude, that was crazy. What? Why did you do that, Javen? I wanted that because I wasn't getting any of that. I, I just wanted someone to acknowledge me. And I'm telling you, fear of man, it will make you do stupid and crazy things. If you're doing stupid and crazy things right now, check your heart. You're probably dealing with fear of man. I'm going to be honest. Ken. But not, it's not only present in elementary school, it's also present in history. I mean, I don't mean to go super dark and philosophical on you. But here's a question that probably none of us have thought about, unless you listen to Jordan Peterson. How, how did a normal, typical, jolly old, humble German man turn into a Nazi? How, how did that happen? You know, it's not just happening with kids in elementary school. It's happening on a global historical scale. How did a person turn into someone who wanted to kill another person on a country level? How did that happen? I mean, there's so many variables there, but really, what's going on there? Peer pressure. Peer pressure is what's going on there. There's this movie, Jojo Rabbit. You ever seen this movie? Ever heard of it? It's really good. I'd recommend it. It's exploring this dynamic of a child who has just been infected with propaganda. 
this information, this peer pressure that they are putting out into the world and it's infecting everyone around them. They have no control over it. And this kid, he's been indoctrinated, he's loyal to the Nazi regime, and it's just him figuring out, oh my gosh, all of this stuff that I was learning, that I was experiencing pressure from, it's actually counter to reality. And you know, for us, it's counter to the way of Jesus. And they had no idea about that. They didn't even care. Why? Because peer pressure. That being said, there's this other book. There's this book called Ordinary Men. Probably have never heard of this book. It's a true story. Exploring a, a real... I got to emphasize, this is true. This is not a fictional account. Of a group of German police officers. Ordinary dudes that love their families. That provided for their kids that were just humble, jolly old German men turning into executioners for the Nazi regime. Responsible for mass shootings. And at the end of the book, they, they are responsible for over 10,000 Jews killed. How, how does that happen? Happens through pressure. Happens with who you're surrounded by. Give that a second to think about. Like, can you honestly say if you were in Germany back then, you wouldn't be a Nazi? Like, goodness gracious, that's a sobering thought to have. It's very sobering. But anyways, the peer pressure is a very, very, very powerful force. It, it can turn a normal person into someone willing to kill multiple people. So I, I'm not taking this subject lightly. But okay, let's ask this. Let's ask this to ourselves. Or no, excuse me. We're going to ask this. How did that happen? <laughs> How did someone go from a normal person into someone willing to kill another person? The way that that happened, it did not happen overnight. It didn't happen like that. No, what happened was they drifted. They drifted into that spot. And you see that explored throughout Ordinary Men, the book. It's not... One moment that turned them into a Nazi-killing machine. No, it was a bunch of small moments. Just slowly drifting, and then all of a sudden they find themselves here. Okay, when I'm talking about peer pressure, I am talking about like when someone walks up to you and says, Hey, do you want some marijuana? Say no. I'm talking about that, yes. Or if your friends are drinking alcohol, and you got to say no. I, I am talking about that. But don't think that those are the only ways peer pressure is experienced. No, no. The air that we breathe, it is breeding fear of man. It is controlling us. And if we're not intentional, we will just drift and drift and drift. Maybe not into a human killing machine, but definitely something counter to the way of Jesus. Counter to what the Bible has for us. And we see that all the time. Kids going off to college. Coming back and they're like, yeah, I was never a Christian. I never believed in God. This stuff is all hoobajooba. I'm moving on to better, bigger things like science. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Peer pressure is very much a part of that. But we need to ask, this is a very powerful force. What is behind that force? Okay, we have peer pressure here. It's this giant. It's this mountain. What's the foundation of that mountain? Someone, let's, let's talk about this. What's at the root of peer pressure? Fears. 
Fear, oh, peers. Sure, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Fear of man. Fear of man. Yes, that's the way that it's expressed. What are, so let's say, maybe not, because maybe thinking about Nazis is getting us sidetracked, but let's say someone is offering you something counter to the way of Jesus, and there's an internal battle, right? They're saying, dude, let's go, I don't know, smoke. <laughs> And you're going, whoa, but I really want them to like me. And if I say no, I'm experiencing this pressure. What's at the root of that? Temptation, Temptation is a part of it, yeah. Sin, yeah. Wanting to be liked. Wanting to be liked. There you go. Yeah. Wanting to be liked. The fear of rejection. That, that's really what's going on at the root of peer pressure. We, we want to be accepted, not Rejected, just like me in elementary school. I wanted to be accepted. I didn't want to be rejected. So it's making me do these crazy weird things. Edward Welch, he defines this pretty well. He says, closely related to the fear that people will expose us, aka shame and fear, what Todd was talking about last week, is perhaps the most common reason we are controlled by other people. They can reject, ridicule, or despise us. Rejection fear. They don't invite us to the party. They ignore us. They don't like us. They aren't pleased with us. They withhold the acceptance, love, or significance we want from them. As a result, we feel worthless. I think that's spot on. And and like all problems, seriously, any problem that you're going to encounter, Scripture has something to say about it. Scripture has Something very good to say about it. Go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Or slide to it. Scroll to it. Proverbs chapter 1. We're starting right at the beginning. Verse 1. Proverbs chapter 1. It says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction... For understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. That's us. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. Okay, so right here. The author, which we see as Solomon, he's introducing this book. He's saying, hey, this book is for what? What is the Proverbs for? What, is, what are those verses telling us? Someone tell me. What's Proverbs all about? Why does it exist? It's for um, giving, wisdom. giving wisdom. Yeah, nailed it. Knowing things about life. Things about life. Yep, yep. Gaining understanding, getting guidance, right? Then you see in verse 7, if you look at verse 7, it says, listen, or no, excuse me, it says in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. That whole verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Dude, you could preach a whole sermon series just on that one verse. There's so much to unpack out of that. That's so good. But (laughs) for the sake of time, we're going to move on. Verses 8 through 9 says, Listen, my son, 
to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland, or you could also say ornament. Garland are it's those like tree, pine, green things that you'd use during Christmas. That's like a little tree rope. That's very pretty. It's, it's going to grace your head. And a chain to adorn your neck, it's going to keep you planted. Okay. Essentially, what's going on, the father figure is saying, dude, I swear, listen up right now. Listen, don't reject what I'm about to say. Okay, listen up, man. This is really important. Don't hear what I'm going to say and go, boomer. Oh my gosh, let's move on with my life. No, don't do that. Don't throw this out the window. He's just nailing it over and over. He's trying to get in our thick schools. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Listen, this is so important. You want wisdom. You want understanding. You want guidance. You need to listen to what I'm about to tell you. This is so important. And I, I, I'm just thinking about this. The first piece of advice that the fatherly figure, right at chapter one, the first thing that he's aiming for is this thing that we were talking about right now. It says in verse 10, listen, listen, listen. My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. Do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, Let's lie in wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Cast lots with us. We've all share, we will all share the loot. My son, do not go along with them. Do not set foot on their paths, for their feet rush into evil. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush only themselves. They ambush only themselves. It's a, that's a thing to soak in. That's a thing to meditate on. To, to give it some serious thought. They only am, they're only ambushing themselves. If you're living counter to the way of Jesus, it will not end up well for you. It doesn't, doesn't matter how well you're doing in the moment. No, it's not going to end up well in the long run. Trust me, it's not. It, it is not. This passage, it, it makes this very clear, this truth. Doing what is foolish, or excuse me, doing something wrong in order to be accepted, in order to be included, in order to not be rejected, it's foolish. It's deeply, deeply foolish. It's not wise. It's not worth it. Do not succumb to people that are offering ways that are counter to Jesus. It's not wise. We're constantly surrounded by that. He's telling them, telling his son that their praise, it's not going to lead to satisfaction. Listen, like 10, year, 10 years down the line, you're going to look at your life and you're going to go, I am miserable. I'm sitting in my own grave. My life sucks. Where did I go wrong? Listen, where you're going wrong, if you're ending up in that spot, it was not, again, you're drifting. Wasn't this one moment when you went wrong, it was when you thought that your sin was going to satisfy you more than Jesus. When you thought that that thing is going to make me more happy than what God has in store for you. That's 
where you went wrong. And now you're looking at your life 10 years later and it's in shambles. Like peer pressure is not worth it. The Bible makes it very clear. You're to trust Jesus. You don't trust that person to make you happy. You don't trust that event to make you happy. You don't trust that feeling to make you happy. I think looking at myself and my past posture, I trusted my youth group to make me happy. There's a difference between trusting youth group and trusting Jesus. There seriously is. And it, it took me to leaving that youth group to figure that out. And go, oh my gosh, no wonder I'm not happy. I'm not planted in Jesus. I'm not rooted in what he has in store for me. Oh my gosh, God, I repent and I'm coming to you. Please help me with this. This big moment where God shaped me. It's actually fairly recently too. But yeah, I'm talking about peer pressure. Uh, listen, I could talk about techniques upon techniques on, okay, here's how you deal with, someone says, hey, let's go do something that's bad and wrong. Make sure that you're, you know, wearing these specific shoes or you use this specific breathing technique or you read this book. This book will be really helpful. And I, all of that stuff, that's great. But really the bottom line is, are you finding satisfaction in Jesus or are you finding satisfaction in that other person? If you're not finding satisfaction in Jesus, then any tip or technique I'm telling you, it's just, you're not going to absorb it. It's not going to matter. Listen, you want to be free from the fear of man? Fear the Lord. Do you know the gospel? The, the gospel. Jesus, he's not a myth. He's not a fable. He's not a fairy tale. He's not a legend. No, he's a real person. A real historical person that lived. And, and he died for you. He, he claimed that he was the son of God. What, what are you making of that? This real person that existed. He said, I am the son of God and I died for you. And then I came back to life. But God is real. He's infinitely, absolutely perfect. And the Bible says, if he's perfect, he cannot tolerate imperfection. And guess what? We're imperfect. We've fallen so short of his standard. The Bible calls that sin. Sin, it's this term in archery that they would use, the Greeks would use, where you're aiming for a target and then you miss the mark. You miss the target. That target is perfection. You've missed it. What, what are you going to do about that? God has done something incredible. He sent Jesus down to die for you in his great love, in his great grace. His great mercy. He died the death. He lived a life you couldn't live. He died a death that you deserve. That's the gospel. Are, are you pursuing that? Are you intentionally moving towards that? Look, God is perfect. But the Bible says his wrath is very real. His wrath is real. Jesus said in Luke 12, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. He said, don't fear people. Don't fear their literal, physical threats. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. His wrath, it's real. 
But in His great love, Jesus paid for that wrath. He took that wrath on Himself so that you don't have to. Do we know the gospel? Are, are, are we pursuing that? Intentionally moving towards that every single day? Are we preaching that to ourselves? You deserve death. That's what the Bible says. Paul tells us in Romans 6, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He died for you. Look, we, we don't need to look any further than the gospel. I'm telling you, if you intentionally pursue loving Jesus with everything that you have, you know what you're doing? You're counteracting that drifting. You're counteracting that drifting mechanism. There's this wonderful man of God named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Back during the Nazi regime, that's exactly what he did. He saw all these people moving this way. He had no idea. They didn't even realize it. He went, no, I know the gospel. I know the scriptures and I am continually pursuing it. And he went against the tide. I'm telling you, if you do that, you will find freedom. You, you will all of a sudden go, this peer pressure I, may, I used to experience, now all I see is Christ. I'm experiencing this in my own life. Like very recently, like this past weekend recently, where I'm like, am I preaching the gospel to myself every single day? How often am I actually reading the Bible? How often am I actually doing that? I just intentionally, I'm like, no, this is important because I'm drifting. I need to intentionally pursue him. And I'm to, after like, how many days? Like four days. I feel like I'm born again. Dude, it's crazy. I can't believe we're not emphasizing this enough. The gospel is so important. Reading scripture is so important. This is where freedom is. This is how you're going to become more like Jesus. It's crucial. Okay. Ephesians 5, 7 through 11 says this. Therefore, do not become partners with them. These people that are recommending all this bad stuff. For at one time you were darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. It says this, walk as children of light. Walk, pursue it intentionally. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Can you really like, reflect right now? Are you walking or are you drifting? It's very easy to drift. To, to walk, I mean, you got to be so intentional. John 5, verse 44 says, How can you believe since you accepted glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? We're to seek his glory. You want freedom from the fear of men? Seek his glory. Preach the gospel to yourself. Read the scriptures. And that's what we're going to be doing tonight. Okay? How much time do we have? Oh, yes. Yes. 810. Got it. Same time. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to, together, intentionally pursue Jesus. Okay? I know. It's crazy. Who would have thought we would ever do this in youth group? Find a group. Small group. No more than five people. Okay? Let's make groups. Whoever's next to you, make a group. 
Can't be bigger than five. And we're just going to pray and pursue Jesus together. You got it? Find a group. There's a group right there. There you go. There you go. Say it again.